All right, so ladies and gentlemen, this is the first episode of Music Evolution Revolution. I wanted to set up this podcast to kind of go over a bunch of different types of music, how it's changed over the years, and some of the great bands that have come from it. So today, I am so excited to welcome Mr. Brandon Gibbs from Poison, Cheap Trick, and also a solo artist on his own. Welcome. Hey, thank you. It's actually the, the uh, second group is actually Cheap Thrill, not Cheap, cheap Trick. Thrill. I'm so sorry. Not Cheap Thrill. Oh, that's all right. Cheap Thrill. I'm a Cheap Trick fan now, definitely. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> How are you, my dear? I'm doing great. So I'm going to jump right in as I, I have a bunch of questions to ask, and I'm excited to see what your answers are. All right. Okay, so you and Joel Hoekster will be embarking soon on your U.S. and European run of the Campfire Tour. With the name The Campfire Tour, how did that come to fruition? Um, well, it's kind of gone back and forth from the Campfire Tour to Hoekster Gibbs. For the first five, five and a half years, it was the Campfire Tour. And the reason is we had a show when we first started doing this at a place in, I think it was Wisconsin, called the, the Potawatomi Casino. And I'm no, I know I'm probably saying that wrong. And one of the venues inside that, that casino that we played was called the Campfire Lounge. And so I thought it was kind of cool and it fit with what we're doing. We're telling stories, we're playing uh, songs from our, our bands and stuff. And I was like, man, it's kind of like sitting around a campfire and, and just having a good time with your buds. And so that is kind of how it, it's, it evolved. And, and then now it's we more call it Hoekster Gibbs because we've kind of worn that one to pieces. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, it's such a clever name, Hoekster Gibbs. But yeah, it, it really started out with us playing in a campfire lounge. And I just go, all right, that makes sense. That's, we'll, that's what we'll call it for a while. That's awesome. I think that's an awesome way for a name to come to fruition. All right. You also <laughs> got to be a part of a few of Poison shows uh, for the big stadium tour. Is that correct? Yes, it is. What is that like compared to the smaller campfire tour shows? The guys from Poison have been friends of mine for 20 plus years. And I was actually talking to the drummer last night and I was telling man, I met you guys when I was like 15. You know, this is what? No way. You know, him and I were in a band called the Devil City Angels. And then later on, he asked me to to sing. It was 2015 to sing with the guys of Poison in a group called Special Guests. We didn't call it Poison. We didn't feel right doing that. And then later on, here here comes the stadium tour this last summer. Um, how it came about and, and how, excuse me, how it is different is it's night and day, to be honest. I mean, the, the stadium was sometimes 50, 55,000 people. You look out there and it's just a sea of people. And there is a little bit of, um, oh my God, factor happening. And you, you go out there and you do your hour and and you try and entertain and connect with all those fans as much as you can. It's it's tough to get that that connect that close connection like you do when it's a smaller venue and you know let's say we're doing an acoustic show for 200 people or something like that we feel almost like it's our living room and we can talk and and maybe stop a song here or there and tell us tell you why we wrote the song and those aren't things you can do in a high fast-paced moving show like the stadium tour but hats off to those guys man after the i think it was detroit when i when i got the call that i could go home man they had more shows they did like 44 shows so i just want to throw that in there hats off that's a it was a hot summer it was a fun summer and both both have their benefits you get to rock hard on a on a stadium and just wow and then you get to really connect personally and spiritually at times connect at the more intimate shows so those are kind of the differences i i talk a lot i'm drinking a bunch of coffee right now so i hope i answered your question <laughs> that's awesome all right so you have some of your own solo music that has come out recently what was one of your favorite songs that you've written and recorded and why did it end up being your favorite? I have a song called 
first friend that I recorded that I is kind of my my favorite of all for for a couple reasons. Uh, this song is about a, a a son dancing with his his mother at his wedding, and he's basically saying, you know, uh, before I turn the chapter, before I close the, you know, go to the next phase, I want to dance with the first person I ever met, my first friend, the one that took me under her wing and um, and gave me wings, and it, it's just a very nice kind of letter to your mother. Mothers are very, very important people. And I love my mother and, and, you know, my mother manages my travel. And so it kind of hits home because, you know, I've been through so much with my mom in travel and, and business and, and family and just in her praying for me all the time that you're just writing a letter saying, I, you know, before I turn the page tonight, bring it in. I want to dance one more time. So it, probably the song first friend, that's one that we'll be playing on the, uh, U.S. Uh, the March 4th in Cincinnati and also the U.K. tour. We'll do that one. And we're definitely excited to have you here in Cincinnati yet again. I think you guys were here probably about a year or so ago. Absolutely. And I remember yeah. that one because that was that was a very fun night when my friend's Heidi was with me that night all the way from Indiana. So that was oh, a fun night. Good little road trip. How far was that for a drive for her? Uh, I think she said it was about four hours or so. Oh, so, God bless her. All right. Did you always know growing up that you wanted to do music? And if you hadn't have gone into music, what profession would you have chosen? First of all, that's a great question. I often ask my friends that question. If you haven't decided to do this, what would you do? Just out of pure curiosity, because, uh, you know, I truly believe you can be good at multiple things. I definitely knew I wanted to be a musician. I was always in class daydreaming of, of guitars and guitar amps and drawing pictures of guitars. I'd get out of class and go home, practice, practice, practice. Anybody that would speak to me about music, any adult, I, I would just, I'd tear their ear off. I had to have all the information and I would just wake up thinking about it, go to bed thinking about it. And, you know, we, my parents were kind enough to, uh, to understand that that's, that's what I wanted to do. And that's not the, um, that's not the path for everybody. It's a scary path, to be honest with you, because it's uncertain. But that's the beauty in the journey is the uncertainty and, and the chase. I knew and they knew. And thankfully, you know, they, they weren't. I mean, they might have been a little scared at times, but they supported me through it. And I was able to get to where I'm at and, and be able to do this and keep a roof over my family's head playing the guitar and writing songs. So very grateful for that and their support. I would also like to add, if I wasn't playing guitar, and this might make people laugh, I would probably try and be a chef in some way because I am a wannabe chef. I love to cook for my friends. That's what I do when I'm home on the weekends. I invite people over and it could be anything from chicken wings to homemade pizza to breakfast food. It's just my, it's just a passion. It's almost like playing guitar. You're, you know, you pull out the seasoning cabinet and you start adding things. And next thing you know, people go, mm, I like that. And that kind of feeds your ego that, Hey, maybe I can make, you know, a Philly cheesesteak better and better and better. So probably something in the culinary field, as surprising as that might sound. Wow, that is surprising. That's awesome. Makes me think of my time in Italy because everyone takes cooking so seriously over there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How, how long were you there for? I was there for five months studying abroad. Oh, what an experience. It was absolutely mind-blowing of the best kind. It was just outstanding. What was your favorite? I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. What was your favorite food over there? 
Wow, that's a hard question. I would have to say I went down to Naples and Pompeii for a couple of days. And I have to say Naples pizza is some of the most famous pizza in the world because that's where pizza was really first created. Those Naples people, whatever they do to their pizza is outstanding. I could not get enough of it. That's awesome. Pizza is like my favorite food ever, by the way. (laughs) That's awesome. What is more fun for you, performing or writing and recording? Another great question. They both have different kind of euphorias. They're they're they're, they're both they're like a different kind of drug. Each one of them, I guess. And that's a like I, I get you know I get high off playing in front of people and and the fact that they're having a good time and later on they tell me, man, that show was so great and that or the story moved me and th- that's the beauty of playing live. You're connecting with people and humans and you're taking um you're taking them out of the day to day and that could be stress with the job, family problems, money, whatever it is that's weighing on them, you you eliminate that for that hour and a half or two hours, whatever you're playing. So that is very, very special. And that is something I take very serious. However, you know, I tell people that, you know, when I'm not here anymore, when the Lord calls me home, my music stays here and it will live on. And so that I really, really take super serious because, you know, one of these days my daughter's going to, you know, have this collection. This is dad's work. And I want to talk to dad. Okay. I'm going to hit play. And so they're both so special. I can't pick a favorite, but there is something to be said about a a long lasting piece of work that stays on this earth after you go. And so that, that is the beauty of of recording. That's such a touching answer. And uh, for anyone who ends up watching this, you can actually see the relationship between Brandon and his daughter through his different social media pages. And I have to say, she seems like an absolute joy. I've seen her in photos from when she was little, where she was doing hand-drawn puppets with Joel Hoekstra backstage. She's definitely grown up in the spotlight, but she is such a cutie and she seems like such a doll. Yeah, it's great. She has a great relationship with the bands that I, that I work with and, and, you know, we're all dads. So it's just, I I think anytime one of us has one of our kids with us out on the road, it kind of brings you, you know, that brings you home. It's like, I actually took Shelby for a little bit on her name, Shelby on the stadium tour. Um, She got to spend a few nights with me and, and I think it just made everyone kind of go, Oh, yep. I, that's what it's all about. And it's just a beautiful thing. I, I absolutely love being a dad. All right. This is a question that many might know for, but many might not know. How did you get to know the band Poison in the first place? When I was 15, I think it was 15 years old. Um, there was a promoter that had hired us to open for Peter Frampton a few years before. And anyways, we had a good relationship with them and he was extremely successful, extremely generous. And he said, "Um, I want you to open up for Poison at my festival. I want to say it was Father's Day and or the week of Father's Day. You know, honestly, I I wanted to be a blues guitar player so bad. I was only listening to Allman Brothers and Hendrix and B.B. King, where all of a sudden we started venturing into the rock world. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. I got to I got to learn more about these guys. Of course, I knew of them, but just no idea the vast catalog that they had. And, and so at 15 years old, uh, opened for them and they asked us to come out open a few more times and, um, and just became friends. We went backstage and talked drums, talked gear, talked recording. I asked Ricky or my brother, one of us asked Ricky if he would ever consider producing some songs. And he said, yes. So we went out to his house and, and, and he helped us like create these, these songs and um, just young men. 
anytime they needed somebody we, to play before them, we would do it. Next thing you know, Rocket and I started discussing uh, the Devil City Angels, and we got a record deal, put out a record, and just the friendship has just always been, I don't know, like, like older brothers kind of thing, and that means a lot to me. I mean, they just have wonderful fans, and their fans have been so great. And every show that I, uh, to me, and every show that I do, on my own, I always tip my hat to those guys because it was truly a Mark Wahlberg rock star moment. If you remember that movie, Rockstar, where he got the opportunity of a lifetime and it changed his life. And those guys kind of did that without even knowing it. They, they totally took me under their wing several times. It's just older brother stuff now. Oh, that is amazing. All right. So you're on the advocate team with Free to Love. Is that correct? I'm an ambassador for Free to Love, the anti-bullying, anti-suicide kind of campaign. Absolutely. And what is your favorite thing about the nonprofit Free to Love? My favorite thing is there's a lot of us actors, musicians, anyone with a stage, a platform. My favorite thing is is being vulnerable and talking about bullying and, and things that that maybe haunted you for, that you overcame and you're, you're watching these people that look so strong and prominent really just disassemble their their lives and tell you hey i've been there there's nothing different about uh this situation i can tell you if i've overcome and i'm standing here on this stage then you can too and not really just saying it because you say it but really truly meaning it and believing it so my favorite part would probably be the fact that we're letting our guards down. We're not being cool. We're, we're being people. And we're, we're talking heart to heart. This is what I've gone through. This is a season. And so please, please just know this too will pass. So just letting our guards down and being human. No celebrity, no musician. Me talking to you. And may may not know this, I'm actually also on the advocate team, as well as Brandon is an ambassador with them. And Free to Love is such an amazing nonprofit. And I have to say, if you guys run across it, Please join our mission because Free to Love is truly a life-changing platform for so many. Amen. And uh, I didn't know that you're on. That is so awesome. God bless you. Yeah, I think I might have mentioned it at the last campfire tour when you were in Cincinnati. And I think that was quickly followed by a fringe in my dress and it got snagged on Joel's bracelet. So I went to walk away and we were connected. Yeah, all these all these pieces of flair. My dog loves him. He gets caught up in them all the time. Yeah, that is the one side of like stage clothes, concert outfits. They can lead to some embarrassing, funny stories. Oddly uh, enough. Yeah, absolutely. I like all the, you know, dressing the I like fashion and things like that. But uh, it's so funny when you're, you're getting out of a car with all your stuff and it gets snagged on an armrest or your dog rips it off. You know, you're, it's like you forget that you're wearing it until you get stuck on something. Yeah. All right. What song for you that you wrote has had the deepest meaning or story behind it? Probably uh, the song His Name. It is a song about my daughter's cousin, baby cousin, who passed away at five months. And um, yes, you know, it was a life changing thing. I have never witnessed anything as sad as that. And, you know, going through the 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 line at the funeral, so many thoughts were in my head, because what do you say to somebody? What do you say to a parent that has lost a child? Anywho, I did the best I could. You know, we all did. And seeing that sweet baby in a, in, in a casket just, it tore me apart. And so I was jogging weeks after and I just got hit with emotion. Like, you need to write about this and maybe you can help somebody who's grieving. And the, the idea is, you know, 
don't say I'm sorry. It's it, you're almost mad, but you're you're saying don't say I'm sorry for your loss. I mean, you know, he had a name. Oh God, I didn't mean to yell, but I'm going through some hell. My life's just not the same. Don't say tomorrow's a brand new day because my eyes don't see that way. If you think I want to live when I got nothing left to give, you can throw your words away. And it's coming from the person who lost the child. That's I'm reading these these thoughts in their head. This has got to be what they're thinking. Just say his name one more time. Just say his name. And uh, so that's probably the, the one that gets gets everybody the most. And it gets it's hard to even talk about. But his name off October 24 was specifically about a family member. Wow, that is extremely touching and sad. As someone who has had nine losses from 2021 to now, I also uh, definitely can feel for that. And also as a funeral director's goddaughter and my dad was a funeral director, I definitely empathize with anyone who has lost someone. It's one of the hardest things to go through. But to yep. have parents lose their child is just unimaginable pain unimaginable and uh i just yeah it, the only thing i could do was write about it and i think people can i everyone can relate we all have someone that that has that has passed on that meant the world to us and that's writing for you you know i can't say it to someone face to face but i can put it in a song and then when you hear that song you know it, it takes you to wherever you, your heart needs to go and so yeah i couldn't say anything because I didn't have the words, you know, it, I'm honestly, I did. So I did the best I could. And then it, it instantly came to me in a song. So, you know, thank God for music. And, and yeah. that way I was able to express how I was feeling or how they were feeling. Music can truly help all of us definitely have times in our lives where we just want to escape from reality for however long and music has that power to it. That's just so incredible. 100%. All right. So do you ever get stage fright before going on? And if so, how do you get through it? The answer is yes. I get stage fright every single time. Could be honestly, you know, jumping in a meet and greet and playing to 12 people or something like that, or going out and playing arenas. Joel and I actually share this together. We, you just go do it. And it's, it's a very anxious feeling. I want to do the best I can. I don't want any gear to fail. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a different memory each night. You're not recreating a perfect night. So that's what you got to tell yourself. This is not last night. Last night's crowd was great. Everything was great. You're going to have a snag somewhere and you just going to have to deal with it. So I don't know, maybe not take yourself so serious that you scare the bejesus out of yourself. I personally like to pick on myself. I'm the same. I like to laugh. I like to laugh. I like to point out my flaws, I guess you could say, and have fun with them. And that makes it a little bit easier if I'm backstage and we go through a song and and I flub a lyric or something like that. Instead of hating myself for it, I, I choose to laugh and fix my mistake. So probably just not taking yourself so serious. But again, that's easier said than done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've had my own flubs on stage and I can tell you, I look back at those videos that are online of me performing with whatever group, whatever I'm doing. I never take myself seriously. And I always end up pointing out there's about a million things in that video that I could have done so much better. Yeah. You know, all our own worst critics of life has taught me anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like you, you think you can bully me. Nah, I'm my biggest bully. Don't worry about that. I got that. <laughs> exactly. What is one of the biggest moments in your career in your mind where you have said to yourself, I can't believe I've had the chance to do this. Definitely last summer. Playing with Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, Joan Jett, 
classless act, all those people back there celebrating music. Granted, we had to keep kind of our distance for safety so the tours could go, but that was really kind of a big one. I mean, well, it's one of the biggest stages in the world is a stadium, right? So I remember when I was finally done, you know, I was helping out there, you know, their singer fell ill. And so I was helping out and I, I remember my last day walking up the ramp to my bus to get my stuff so my driver could take me to the hotel airport. I, I took a video of walking up the ramp and I said, I can't believe that just happened. It was like everything all at once just hit me. I cannot believe that just happened. And, you know, and I said in the video, I said, well, uh, I'm headed home. And right when I said I headed home, my battery died. So I have a, it was just like a, like a scene of a movie. You just did That's something. real moment. Yeah, you're just, you know, you're like, I can't believe I just did this. I'm heading home to take this all in. My phone went. Ooh. So the stadium tour is definitely a big one for me. Now, there's other ones where, for instance, I really, really, really enjoyed meeting Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers. And I, we, I didn't get to play with Greg, but his tour manager set us up a, a meet and greet, a personal one, because a friend of his said that these guys are, me and my brother, are some kids that you want to meet. They just played in Sarasota and knocked this blues festival out of the park. And I was such a huge, huge Almond Brothers fan, still am, that meeting the lead singer. I, I, that was like, did this just happen? I mean, when he came out of the back of the bus, it was like I was looking at something spiritual like he had a glow around him and his long hair and I, i'm just like this guy this is not happening right now so the whole way home i was pinching myself and looking you know looking at the camera back then big old picture of us i'm like oh my god this is nuts so probably the stadium tour and then meeting one of my idols greg Allman. meeting an idol is absolutely something that all of us have done before and it is definitely one of the most nerve-wracking moments but one of those moments where you will definitely pinch yourself like brandon said and go I can't believe this literally just happened. Well, and the best thing is when you meet someone that you look up to and they exceed your expectations. It's like they, they are human. And um, I met Nicolas Cage at one of our shows. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, he's a huge he's a huge music fan. And I, I was like, man, I don't want it. He seems like he's maybe grumpy or something. I don't know. I don't want to mess. You know, my sister did in a bad mood. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, and I'm like, don't ruin this for me. I think he's the coolest guy ever. And my sister didn't care. She walked right up to him, put her arm around him, and he was awesome to her. And so I was like, this is great because you hear things, you know, people have bad experiences, whatever. I really haven't had very many bad experiences at all. Everyone that I looked up to or look up to ha has been wonderful. All right. What is your funniest stage blunder or mistake that you've had happen to you? There's so many. So when I was young... I got a wireless guitar system for Christmas and we, we had some shows. I'd never played with one and I was so excited, right? You can just for, so you know, you're not connected to your amplifier. I can go anywhere all over the stage and my wireless picks up the guitar signal. So you can walk around and do whatever you want. I got overly excited, jumped off the stage and was in the audience playing. And then I realized I have no way to get back up on stage. <laughs> 
So I'm out in the audience and the band doesn't know when they don't know when to end the song. I can't communicate with them and I can't get back up on stage. And I think like a bunch of audience members started picking me up. I was like really thin. I was 16 or so. Really. I think they kind of picked me up and put me back on there. So what started out as a cool looking thing was really like he didn't think this thing out at all. There was no steps to get on the stage. You had to like climb up on it anyways. And I just didn't think about it. I jumped off. The ending of the song was a disaster. (laughs) All right. Final question. What do you have coming up besides the Campfire Tour in 2023? What can fans look forward to? I have a new song called You Are coming out. I just came back from Nashville uh, last week, and it's... It's a very powerful song. It is a different song. It has some really deep guitar in it, and it has a a choir. And I don't think anybody's ever heard me do a song with a choir. So you're going to get a new song, a little choir in it, and then, of course, more dates. I do a lot of solo dates without you know, Joel and and he does the same with other bands. But I, I think most importantly, I'm looking forward to giving you guys a new song. That's awesome. It's been an honor having Brandon on here. Once this gets edited by my editors, we'll put the links to Brandon's website, Joel's website. Unfortunately, he, he couldn't join us today due to schedule overlapping. So he wasn't able to join us today, but you can see them on the Campfire Tour coming up in March and through the European Tour for those who are in Europe. It's been such an honor to have Brandon on here with me today. Thank Thank you, Mr. Gibbs. Hey, thank you for having me. And I I guess I'll see you soon. Yes, I will. You will see me on March 4th. And hopefully I can get a table because last time I showed up late and I couldn't get a table. Well, just get like stuck to Joel's jewelry and you, you'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice talking to you, friend. All right. Nice talking yeah. to you. Bye, Brandon. Bye. Thank you so much for watching today and stay tuned for our next interview. Thank you all.